Brought to you by Make Fun Network. Disclaimer. Please do not email us about the historical inaccuracies we are sure to make. We are not historians. We are idiots. Hi, and welcome to Anachronismo. I'm Max. I'm Jackie. And joining us today is special guest John Serpico. Uh, Say hi to the people, John. Hello, everybody. John is an improviser, actor, producer, financier. Am I missing anything? Podcast host. Bon vivant. Right? I'll take all of those. Meat expert. Will we get through my top 50 things? Role- Probably not, but top 10, this sounds pretty good. Role-playing gamer. Advice columnist. Advice columnist. Advice columnist. Right. Cat lover. Yeah, I think that actually goes at number one is cat lover. Once you say cat lover, kind of everything else, yeah, everything else kind of is cast into me. shadow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good to have hobbies, everybody. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I have zero hobbies. <laughs> uh, my time after work is spent staring at a wall in a blank room. Just wait until tomorrow. I'm just waiting to die. That's when the work happens. <laughs> oh, oh, love it. <laughs> <laughs> so depressing. <laughs> oh, don't worry about imaginary Max. He's not real. I know. His life's not that bad. But like some people's lives are like that. You mean some people go home and just sit perfectly still in an empty room? <laughs> I mean, they probably have the TV on, but uh, about the same. Well, if you live your life like that and you're listening to our podcast, kudos for breaking out of the TV habit and listening to a podcast. Mm-hmm. Hi. And you also might remember John from our 4th of July episode, where he was the one person... I don't know if you were sober enough to do it, but you were the one person who really was focused enough to actually get deep into history with the story of the Lusitania. I take the Lusitania very seriously, regardless <laughs> of the amount of meat or booze I have on any on any federal holiday. And that day you were drunk on both, baby. Oh my god. Uh, the Lusitania deserved, if not my steady hand, then at least my full heart. Mm-hmm. How about that? Full, full heart, full tummy. Mm-hmm. So today, you're not talking about the Lusitania? No, no, today... Today, I am talking about not an individual event, but a series of events all in the same category, which is something called the Papal Interregnum, known also as the Sede Vacante or the Vacant Seat of the Holy See. All of those things mean the same thing. A pope has died and there is yet to be a new pope. So that is something that has been a staple of the Roman Catholic Church forever. Since the church has been a church, every time a pope has died, there is a mechanism in place to elect a new pope. But obviously, it's not an immediate mechanism. It's not like they've got a robot going out and finding the perfect pope. So there's got to be a a period in between, right? It's a smoke monster. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's a smoke monster, and that is what Lost is about. It's actually a complicated metaphor for the papal election, and actually a criticism of it, if you think Mm -hmm. about it, because it's a smoke monster. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, well, actually, funnily <laughs> enough, uh, uh, smoke is a very big part of the, the papal choosing process. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the black smoke and the white smoke telling the people of Rome whether you have a pope or do not yet have a pope. So very quickly here, I, I'll talk about kind of how one chooses a pope these days. Can I do a brief intro on what I'm talking Oh, about by today? all means. Mm-hmm. Yes. So today I will be talking about Annie Edson Taylor, the first person to go over Niagara Falls intentionally and live and survive. And that's how she became Pope. <laughs> now, was she barrel clad as in the old cartoons? Yes. Was she in a boat? Oh, well, yeah. I got it right on the first try. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. It shuts my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> There's more about the barrel. Sure, I'll tell sure. you later. I, oh, it's a special barrel? 
I even have a nice tiny little, little schematic oh, that I gave up I on. I am so excited. I, I, when I was a kid, I used to be obsessed with the concept of going over Niagara Falls. Going over Niagara Falls in specifically a barrel. And like, how many windows would I have on the barrel? Do yeah. I even want windows? Yeah. yeah. Do you don't want to know. I'm you so want excited. To know how oh. cozy the barrel is. Pillows. Do you have a little radio? Is there something to hold on to? Ooh, that's important. You know, do you want there to be something to hold on to? I don't know if I do. I, I think I want to let just fate take the wheel completely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. My God. Barrels. They're not just for disenfranchised stockbrokers anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Barrels, they're not just for keeping water on the inside anymore. Mm -hmm. Barrels are not just for shooting fishing anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That's the point of a barrel. The walls of a barrel present a barrier for liquid. And most of the time, you're keeping it in. Keeping it in. Mm. Wow. Sometimes. Sometimes you're keeping it in. In a way. Liquid was on both sides. Mm-hmm. That's true. Oh my god, that's yeah, true. Yeah, we are just sacks of liquid. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm a beautiful sack of mm-hmm. liquid myself. <laughs> Go, going over the falls in a barrel, you are a sack of liquid surrounded mm-hmm. by a thin layer of solid, surrounded by a thick layer of air, surrounded by a thin layer of solid, surrounded by Niagara Falls. <laughs> wow, that's yeah, deep, right? That really, that really did me dink. <laughs> <laughs> So, Pope stuff. Sure, Pope stuff. Yeah. We'll, Pope we'll, stuff the we'll, third. Yeah, we'll, Pope stuff the third. We'll start <laughs> with the present, because the present's probably the easiest to understand. So, the Vatican is technically a state. That is to say, a a body, a, a governmental body that exists on the world stage. Yeah. So, the Vatican's a state. Well, eh, all right. I'm going to correct myself. The Holy See is a state, meaning it is a government. It is a global actor. It can enter into treaties, things like that. The Holy See is a state. The Holy See resides within the Vatican. The Vatican is a plot of land that is independent and run by the Holy See. Um those things are kind of different. Like the United States is both its land and the government that governs it. It's a little different with the Vatican for yeah, it's it's pretty wild map. reasons. So yeah, the U.S. is the map and the location, right? Mm-hmm. Sounds like the Vatican is the map. Yeah, the Vatican is the map. The Holy See is the government. Okay, the Holy okay. See is the country. Okay. If the Vatican was destroyed, the Holy See would not be destroyed. Got it. Mm-hmm. It's very strange, and the reason why is because of some things that I'll talk about in a little bit. Right now, the Holy See, the state, is also the seat of a global church, Roman Catholicism. Right now, the head of the Roman Catholic Church is a pope. Right now, we've got a pope from Argentina. Before that, we had a pope from Germany. Uh, Austria or Germany. I can't remember where Benedict was from. Before that, we had a Polish pope. But every pope that preceded those three has been from Italy. Now, Italy has been giving us popes for a long time. When a pope dies these days... A college of cardinals comes together, that is to say, the bunch highest, of birds. a bunch of birds, a whole ton of birds, red as red as the day is long, come <laughs> together from all over the world in the Vatican to choose their new leader from amongst themselves. So that doesn't take too, too long these days. Everyone gets on a plane, they fly in. The election of Pope Francis took a few weeks. Before that, the election of Pope Benedict took like a few weeks. It's usually like a few weeks or you know, a month or two or something like that. It's because everyone gets on a plane. And also, in the modern era, the Vatican can retain kind of continuous operations without a pope for a little while. So that's how it works now, is a pope dies, in a very orderly fashion, a bunch of cardinals get together, they elect a new pope, the new pope, they come out, they wave to the crowd, new pope. During the period between popes, 
the Vatican continues to exist. The government functions of the Vatican continue to exist. The Catholic faith doesn't fall apart. All of those things. It's very orderly. With all this set up and having you have to say all of this, I am I am very excited for just how much apparently will fall apart in the past between popes. I'm imagining like a what is it, 80 days around the world kind of situation mm-hmm. where like once you get a critical mass of cardinals, they can pick someone. So you got to throw landmines at people yeah. so they don't make it and they can't be pope. Get there. Well, so here's so things that have changed since one, the papal interregnum used to be a lot longer because when a pope died in let's here's the period I'm going to cover between the middle of the 16th and the middle of the 17th century. That's when all the good stuff happened. A papal interregnum these days takes a few weeks. Back then, it would take months, sometimes more, because when a pope died, you would have to send news to all of the cardinals of the world, and then they would need to get on boats and sail back. Not cool, quick boats like the Lusitania, but super slow boats. <laughs> and you got to make sure some, the yeah. pope doesn't come back to life and become a saint immediately. Exactly. Yeah, that, which that, can happen. It can and has. Can and has. Yes, definitely. Oh. Um, and so, of course, you know, they got the cardinals in a wacky races style situation because the first cardinal back has a lot of a lot of sway, I, I would have to mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> the papal interregnum now, weeks or months, back then, months or years. Here's what happened during that time. I'll jump to the end first and then explain why. Rome was a madhouse of fires, revenge killings, and crazy, crazy politics. Every single time a pope died for literal centuries. (laughs) It is madness. Think the most exciting party you've ever been to, but half the people want to kill the other half, and also the ruler of the world gets picked at the end. (laughs) Every time for centuries. (laughs) Rome was in a very interesting place at the time. So Italy unified uh, under, you know, if you've heard of Garibaldi, like Garibaldi. Love those chocolates. Oh my God, so good, right? (laughs) That's what happens when you unify a country is they'll give you chocolates. Mm -hmm. But Italy was not a unified nation. It was not a unified state until the 1800s. Meaning before that, on the Italian boot, there were dozens of city-states of varying powers. Some of the mightiest powers of the late Middle Ages and the Renaissance were like Venice and Florence, places that now you can spend two days in on like a Perillo tour of Italy. But back then, they controlled great fleets and fortunes. Venice was a huge spice city. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they had outposts all over the world. They did all these crazy things. They had like an, an incredible amount of power. Just because they were a great port, because yeah. they had the ability to to hold and launch so many ships and were able to reach so many places, and they decided what they're going to do with it: spice, because mm-hmm. everyone needed spice. Yeah, so, they they had. I, I love mm-hmm. I love spice Venice. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I was just thinking my disappointment when my childhood friend, whose last name was Perlo, was not of the oh, tour company. That's devastating. Mm. It's like what oh. a great friend that could have been. It could have mm-hmm. sent you on a tour mm-hmm. of so many places. Anthony. Yeah, but now all of these places that are. You know, beautiful ruins used to be these mighty empires, none of which greater than like 200 square miles, you know, but they were just these immense players in world politics. The Vatican was also one of those. 
the Roman Catholic Church also used to be an empire. Mm. At its height, it was one of the greater empires in the world at the time. But even as its power kind of waned and it lost control of Italy, giving rise to kind of the the age of city-states, which in the 16th and 17th century, that was the case, there was a standing army. Like the Pope was not just the leader of the world church. The Pope had an army. The Pope was a general. The Pope was a diplomat and a bureaucrat. Is this distinct from Rome as its own city-state? Yes. And they're still right next to each other. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's where Vatican, yes. the map is different. The Vatican is completely these days, you know, surrounded by Rome. But really until Garibaldi, the Vatican pretty much always owned Rome. They always had Rome as part of its greater territory. So here's the interesting thing is the ruler of the world church is also a noble lord that has dozens of rivals on the Italian peninsula. So – it becomes unbelievably interesting and complex when one of those dies because, you know, let's let's say we were – Jackie, you were Milan and Max, you were Venice and yes. I was – nice. And I was Florence. Our neighbor just lost their ruler. And so that kind of creates two interesting things for us. One – 100% of our people follow the religion of that guy that just died, but also one of our biggest rivals just got a heck of a lot weaker for a little while. So it's this weird place where everyone that was a Catholic that lived in Italy had these weird kind of competing feelings of, okay, the Pope died. This is devastating to our faith and eternal salvation, but also – the spice traders that go through Rome are going to have to reroute and I can get them in Florence. So it, it created this tremendous tumult every time. Here's why things in Rome itself were so bonkers. When the Pope died back then, there was the ceasing of continuity of government. If you think about it, it was the only grand empire that didn't have hereditary succession. You know, this is before the Great Revolutions. So if the King of England died, good news, the King of England has already been identified. But with the Vatican, when a pope died, there was chaos. Chaos manifested in several ways. My most favorite, which is why I'm going to lead with it, (laughs) is they open up all of the prison cells. Oh, no. Uh Why? Well, there are several reasons why people think this happened. My belief is that there was a fear that a pope or one of his functionaries could imprison someone, destroy the paperwork, and then after a pope or two, that person will just be there, like man in the Iron Mask style. Yeah. Like okay. you send someone forgotten there, uh, forgotten yeah. in the Chateau d'If, only this time it was the Castle Sant'Angelo, yeah. which was the prison at the time. Mm-hmm. So to prevent that, every time the pope died, the wardens of the prisons of Rome would unlock all the cells so that it would prevent anyone from being a lifelong prisoner who has no name. Are you obligated to come back? Well, obligation's kind of a strong (laughs) word. The government's in chaos. What that meant is waves of revenge killings. Um, You know, let's say... (laughs) No laws. Dad's out of town. Uh (laughs) We're throwing a party. And guess what? Everyone's coming over and I'm killing all of them. (laughs) Uh And that's what would happen. So let's say, Jackie, you were cavorting with my spouse and I challenged you to a duel. But instead of dueling me, you decided to like stab my son and flee town. Mm -hmm. But then I sent mercenaries to come get you and they brought you back and you were held in trial. And then you would go to the Castle Sant'Angelo to be your prison. Yeah, because you avoided a perfectly 
perfectly legal duel. You avoid a perfectly <laughs> legal duel and like stab the guy instead. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden, that's now a super complicated situation, mm-hmm. right? And this is the kind of stuff that happened, where there was a duel that you relented on. There was a spouse whose honor was besmirched. You had stabbed someone else. Mercenaries were involved. All of these things are cast in a very different light when your prison cell unlocks a couple of years later, and you're like, well, I've been wronged. Those merc- like, So, you know what I mean? Like, it immediately gets complicated every time someone was in jail. It's very easy for the bread thief to be let out of jail, and then they go back to stealing bread. But when you, Jackie, mm-hmm. having fled a duel and have your honor besmirched and, like, this, that, and the other, when you're out on the street, you're going to kill someone. And no one knows who yet. Are you going to kill my son that you kind of sort of dueled? Are you going to kill me to make up for the fact that you ran away on my duel? Are you going to steal my spouse and flee? Like, all of these things happen because all of these really interesting people were jailed for really awesome Italian reasons. <laughs> um, and then they're going to exact really awesome Italian revenge mm-hmm. on, on everybody. This created a super interesting economic event. Rumors of the Pope's health were a huge <laughs> deal in Italy. There was a Pope stock market. There was essentially oh a Pope goodness. stock market. Because, oh. like, would you commit a crime? Well, only if the Pope's about to die. Uh-huh. The, the, the Pope's been coughing a lot. Maybe I could just get a quick stabbing in, pop in. Pope dies, pop out, no harm, no foul, bing, bang, boom. Mm-hmm. Or if you got to leave town when the Pope's getting sick, mm-hmm. so you're like, I oh, got to yeah. sell my assets and get out of here. Yeah. Look, I imprisoned a lot of dudes falsely because they were business rivals because I wanted to be the only one making the finest shoes and exporting them. They were in my way. I may have framed them for a few small, huge crimes. <laughs> They're in prison until the Pope dies. If the Pope dies, I got to leave town for a little while till there's a new Pope and also just start forging some more crimes to have them take the fall for. Mm-hmm. Let's take this – let's take the, the me and Jackie rivalry duel scenario again. Let's say, um, Jackie, I challenge you to a duel, but you know that the Pope is near death. Instead of the duel, maybe you come into my house and just kill me in my sleep and then turn yourself into the constabulary and say, I have killed a man. You are put in jail and then two days later the Pope dies. You've done two days for cold-blooded murder. <laughs> it also gives rise to another – Interesting economic side for everyone outside of Rome. Italy, in at this time, had a lot of trained swordsmen and duelists. When the Pope was sick, all of these young, hale and hardy fighters would start descending upon Rome saying, Hey, we've heard that the Pope is very sick. Have... Is there anyone in jail right now that wants you dead? Good news, I'm for hire. So mercenaries and bodyguards and (laughs) duelists would fill the city and various nobles would hire them and just kind of wait around for the Pope to die and the cells to open. And then it was just an orgy of revenge. (laughs) Oh, man. Every eight years for centuries. I want to read... A million books about each of these because mm-hmm. this sounds so cool. Uh-huh. God, I, I, I would, I would read a fiction book. I would read a history book. I would play a role playing game about this. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> the, I mean, you know, yeah, not you know. to live and for anything but to, <laughs> but to live through. Yeah, yeah, anything I, but actually, I, I will <laughs> consume it 
in any way that does not involve being there. I will consume this sword fight in any way that doesn't involve me actually eating a sword. Exactly. And so, I, actually, you know what? I would probably learn how to swallow a sword that had a story about this engraved on yeah. it. Well, you know, I feel like that. You know, I feel like that's uh, mm-hmm. nitpicking at this point. And how dare you bring it up? <laughs> there's uh, there's a role playing game that Max and I and several thousand or million people in the world are fond of called Seventh Sea. It takes place in the mid 17th century in Europe. There are all these different analogs for the various countries of Europe. You know, England is Avalon and Spain is Castile and yada, yada, yada. The game takes place in all of Europe. But when the creator of the game originally envisioned it, it was just going to take place in Italy. Reason being, Italy was, for me, the absolute most interesting place in Europe when it comes to politics and enthusiastic violence because every time a pope died, something bonkers happened to millions of people. So that's that's why I really dig it. It's very, very interesting because this entire time, there are revenge killings in the street and there are ships with cardinals coming to Rome to solve it. And it's really a powder keg. The other thing that I like a ton about it is not just the awesome revenge killings and, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and various constables unlocking doors and saying, good luck, you know. Just six-fingered man after six-fingered just man out there. piles yeah. of them re- exacting revenge upon yeah. each other. That So that was super fun. But my second favorite thing about it is what the people of Rome did to the Pope when the Pope died. What did they do, Servico? Oh, Max. Say various anointments, posing so, for... It's just the bar is already set so high. Uh-huh. <laughs> so think oh. about what happens. Hmm. Can, can we guess a little bit on what we think they do with the Pope mm-hmm. first? Oh, please. Oh, my goodness. So it's Catholicism. Catholicism already has cannibalism built in, right? Mm-hmm. The Eucharist, right? Cannibalism by any other name. Yeah. But, you know, it's symbolic. Everyone sure. wants a piece. Yeah, exactly. I think that there is a bidding war for slivers of the holy flesh once the Pope dies. And, you know, noble houses are trying to get it. Common men are trying to do it. Maybe it, like, absolves you of sins. Maybe it's just a conversation piece. Maybe you're trying to get some Pope bones so you can have a reliquary mm-hmm. to keep vampires away. Who knows? Yeah. I, I choose to believe that it is a holy flesh that just, mmm, mamma mia. <laughs> <laughs> you want to make a Pope meet a ball. Yeah, I think, I think that's a very good guess. <laughs> <laughs> just not maybe not even for eating just for having just for having just a for conversation having. a conversation popes <laughs> i think people want to pose with him mm-hmm. kiss his foot get his, his likeness yeah. on t-shirts mm-hmm. that sort of thing mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of uh i touched the pope <laughs> i think <laughs> and all i got was this lousy cassock yeah you can host part of the wake mm-hmm. maybe you compete over Whose home the body resides in? I think that there's a week. I think there's a weekend at Bernie's style party <laughs> where you know you you if you're the first one to find out the Pope is dead, uh, you know because here's the thing. Here's the thing. The 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 procedure for figuring out if someone is dead, the Pope especially is dead at this point. Is like you have him breathe on a mirror, you strike him with a hammer and call his name. You bring a doctor in, you know, eventually you pronounce him dead. But there's a, there's some wiggle room in there. If you're that doctor, you pronounce the Pope alive, all you got to do is keep puppeting that Pope until he starts to decompose, and you've got run of the Vatican. (laughs) There have been tales throughout kind of the long and checkered history of of the papacy about things more or less like that, (gasps) with various popes descending deep into comas or into the throes of dementia, and 
the various administrative bishops and cardinals keeping the pope just alive enough and out of public view so that they can enact their own kind of situations. Oh, he whispered to me, <laughs> cookies on Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> the Pope says that Cardinal James can commit any crime. He gets one free crime every day. <laughs> every day? <laughs> every day. That's so many. And he, yes, he can save them up. It's like lunch tickets. <laughs> you would not believe that I, Giovanni, was named the new Pope by the dead Pope. Who, I was just a janitor, but now I am the Pope. Like <laughs> What a Pope. What a, what a guy. But it, stuff like that used to happen. So, um, what really happened to the Pope is not all that more or less absurd than your suggestions. <laughs> what happened in reality is really no more or less wild than what the both of you suggested. Because what they did in reality, the people of Rome, was immediately, vocally, and enthusiastically disparage the life of the Pope that just died. <laughs> you get to shit talk the Pope after the Pope immediately. dies. Immediately. <laughs> Now, when a world leader dies, yeah. no matter how bad they were, you usually just get that kind of sanitized yeah. eulogy. A fluff mm -hmm. piece. Like yeah. a fluff piece. Like yeah. Ronald Reagan or Richard Nixon, I consider them monsters. monsters. Yeah. Um, when they both passed, you know, like the when kind of the, the, the cloth of death was brought over them, it really softened their features. Mm. Not so with the Pope. Everyone in Rome, everyone in the Roman Catholic Church would sing the praises of the Pope during his life the second they died. Oh, that Pope. What an awful Pope. His policies regarding fish. Awful policies. And here's why. Here's why they did this. Because this was the only time that the people of Rome and Italy more broadly could give a wish list to the new Pope as to what they wanted. In the absence of a pope, in this papal interregnum, all of the people of Rome, without fear of reprisal, could say stuff like, it is absolute BS that we are being taxed like this by the pope. This thing doesn't make sense. We don't want to pay indulgences. We want to pay more indulgences. We hate slavery. We love slavery. All of these different things... That's my out-of-context audio quote for today. Oh, no. <laughs> um, Time to ruin your good name. <laughs> we on love slavery. John Serpico, writer, provocateur. <laughs> um, but, it, uh, but it was interesting because they can – all of these various noble houses could kind of loudly pronounce mm -hmm. what, they, what they want in a new pope by specifically shit-talking the previous pope. And what specifically that Pope did to anger them. Just making stuff up sometimes. And I don't like the Pope. Old Pope never used to give us piggyback rides. He's owed me $10 for 15 years. And every time I brought it up, he would bop me on the nose and say, you. <laughs> One time he took my shoes and he threw them in the lake. He didn't want them. He just didn't want me to have them. <laughs> I got in a push-up contest with the Popes, but he was doing knee push-ups. And I couldn't say anything because he was wearing a flowing gown. But I knew they were knee, mm -hmm. knee push-ups. Mm -hmm. No Pope could do 40 push-ups. <laughs> He kept calling them Pope-Ups, too. Oh. And I couldn't tell him he was wrong because he was the Pope. And now I call them Pope-Ups even though I don't want to. That because it's like a papal bull. It's a papal bull. <laughs> <laughs> so uh. that's that part was interesting is you have this weird... Hold on, hold on. Hmm. I got one more. Oh, please. Every time I went to the bathroom, he made me call it Poping. <laughs> oh... <laughs> Oh, boy. It wasn't mm -hmm. worth it, but it was mm -hmm. worth it to I'm me. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that we experienced that like a family. Uh, so 
waves of waves of revenge <laughs> killings due to the complicated reasons that people yeah. are thrown into jail in Rome. That's thing number one that I love. Thing number two, this weird non-democratic but still very exciting way to voice your opinions when a pope dies. That's the cool, second cool thing. The third cool thing is how the heck do you choose a new pope? Because here's well, the interesting. Whoever can do the most pope ups. You do enough pope. <laughs> whoever can do the most pope ups without poping. <laughs> <laughs> um, think about it this way, Jackie. You are, I think, Milan, and Max. You are are Venice, and I am Florence. Odds are, one of our august sons are going to become the new pope. And so what's interesting is there's now all the cardinals coming from all over Italy and all over the world. We, these grand, you know, kind of matriarchs and patriarchs of these city-states, are trying to angle our cardinal into position and build coalitions. Oh, I'm sending fruit baskets? Yeah. Yeah, you're just... Sending more overt threats? Kind letters or really unkind letters. (laughs) You're creating... Every time there's this vacuum, you have a chance to install a blood relation of yours into the papal seat, meaning a city-state that you have been rivaling with for a decade, maybe more, may suddenly become an incredibly close ally because your son is now the pope. So that's very interesting. That's why there were so many, like, Borgia popes, because the Borgia family was able to exert... I thought you you were saying bourgeois wrong. (laughs) <laughs> those super bougie popes what do they think they are with their, their hats Kate and their spade shoes bags. um sorry borgia borgia yeah, but so like the various the, like so there there are various there have been families in rome whose goal throughout the 1400s 1500s 1600s was to keep their family fortune and one of the best things to do with it would be to install a new pope because now your cousin your brother your son is now the pope and they can make religious edicts that can positively impact you. Fish on Fridays during Lent, you know how that's a thing? Oh, that was because there was a fisherman's lobby who wanted to sell more fish mm-hmm. on, on Fridays and you couldn't eat meat. Yeah. I took I stole your thunder there and I can see it hurting mm-hmm. you. <laughs> Hurt me deep. I'm sorry. Yeah, much, oh. li- much like fish on Fridays. Was, I'm not a big fish guy during Lent. There was such Lent. frustration in but, your but eyes. But it's true. It's, um, <laughs> but what happened was... There was a pope that was friendlier to friendlier to fishermen. He had fishermen in his family. And by fishermen, I mean people that owned massive fishing fleets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a really vicious kind of vicious, situation. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is we might install, let's say, Jackie, you are a fishing magnate and you install your cousin as pope because he is going to create a situation in which you can sell more fish and buy more boats. Unfortunately, that cousin you install – also believes that slavery is okay. You know, like, so there have been situations where the people have installed a pope for their own very narrow purposes, but the end result is horrible cataclysms Mm -hmm. in the world. Not just of the fish kind, but, you know, some of the later crusades are because a pope gave a call to arms, and would that crusade have happened if a different pope had been installed? You know, I'm just so glad about how far we've progressed as a society since then. We're never making that mistake again. I tell you, (laughs) just everyone's in a position of power due only to their hard work and understanding of civics. Yeah. We live in a golden age. We really do. But we still eat fish on Fridays. We do. We do. Damn that Pope. Fish is delicious, though. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of makes me Pope, though. 
<laughs> yeah, man, it makes me pope super hard. <laughs> Immediately. Sometimes so, I can make a fish curry and oh, I'm poping all no. day. Oh, heavens. Uh, you uh, you let a, me do this. I did. I did. I did. Pope <laughs> I keep some potpourri in the bathroom mm-hmm. to make sure that my popes don't stink it up too Yeah. Bad. So, um, <laughs> my God. You know, all of this kind of ultimately came to an end with the unification of Italy. When the, when Italy was unified, the Holy See was contained in the Vatican. The Vatican was ostensibly part of Italy instead of the other way around, and well, even with their independence. And so, because the popes had a much less profound impact on the economics of the world, you know, or Italy after kind of Garibaldi. Not that I'm saying the most qualified man always gets the job, but it's just a lot different. Mm -hmm. So kind of the good times ended then, really. And, you know, the good times. Very loose definition of good times. (laughs) From a storytelling perspective, the good times ended. It's been all boring stability, no Mm -hmm. murders at all. No murders. Uh, Sorry. No wild, no rules, just free murder time at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, just changing the price of your store and just saying it's always been this way. No, just t- taking uh, someone's house and saying this is my house now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's boring now. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I guess the way I'll kind of close this story is when you look at kind of a the you know a papal interregnum now mm-hmm. when you know the black smoke comes out that we have no pope and then eventually the white smoke does. That time between that first smoke signal or that first announcement of the death of the Pope and the announcement of the new Pope, when you think about that time now and how kind of sedate it is and mournful it is, just think about how it was about 500 years ago when wagons full of armed men were rolling into Rome, when people were shouting curses at a recently dead pontiff, when random people with grudges were coming back into town to exact vengeance, when fisheries and naval tariffs were the big decider of the person that led the church. That's how it used to be. So things are quieter now, but boy, are they less fun. The papal interregnum. In a very different world. Because I'm mentioning, um, you know, when Pope John Paul II passed mm-hmm. away, that was just straight up everyone was sad. Mm-hmm. Super sad. Yeah. Super sad. He's my grandma's favorite pope. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a lot, a lot of, of people's grandma's favorite, favorite, favorite pope. pope. Yeah. Oh, she's, a, she's, also, she's also a tiny Polish woman. So. Oh, oh yeah. that's, that's, that's a given. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I went to for the visit home pope. Um, an old family friend of Noel's family, mm-hmm. and she had a picture of, or it was the current pope, but she had a picture of the current pope Right next to a much bigger picture of Derek Jeter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I love the Pope. Pope's great. Jeter outranks him. The, if they're in a locker room, Jeter gets to call the shots. Because he can do a lot more Pope-ups. He can do a ton of Pope-ups. Well, here's the funny thing. is De- Derek Jeter is right this second being like elected to the Hall of Fame. Mm. Which I thought you were going to say elected to the papacy. Elected to the papacy. <laughs> well, but that's the thing. There's is, some you know, rumors. The, the power of the Pope has diminished mm. you know, in the, the secular world so much. That a good Hall of Famer like Derek Jeter probably has more practical everyday power than the Pope. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know it's interesting to think about. People are sad because the Pope died now. Like people were sad when John Paul II died. He was a very long reigning Pope, and like everyone was sad because it's like oh people liked him. But just think, like in the 1640s, people were sad. It's like oh no, the Pope died. That's super sad for my soul. But also. Giovanni is coming back, and he's a gonna kill me. 
just a checkered kind of sadness mm. back then. So at this point, after each story, we like to ask a hypothetical. Mm. And that hypothetical can be more or less anything vaguely related to that. If you want to take a second and think of one, that we can think one and discuss it. Or, Jackie, do you have one, perhaps? Mm, I don't have one right now. Sorry. Uh, I usually have them. I only have the one I usually have, which is what crimes you would commit. And we kind of do a lot of crime talk on this on this <laughs> show for hypotheticals. So I want to kind of Get wait on that to crime. see if somebody has a better one. Yeah. I'll do it if we need it, but, you know. It's so hard to ask a non-crime hypothetical. There's so many good crimes. Here's mine. Let's say the Pope died. You are 25 in the prime of your life and great with a sword. Yeah, Would just you like st- when I was 25. I tell you. Yeah. Would you stay in Rome for the party or get the hell out of Rome and live to see another Pope? I'm a cautious person by nature, so I'd probably be out of there. I got to swash that buckle. I you know, you. I just, you know, growing up, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, and also just like knowing what I know about myself, I think mm-hmm. at this age where I am now, 30, wouldn't do it. I've I've grown a lot. But I think, you know, grew up, I, I trained in sword fighting uh, when I was a kid, and I talked my parents into getting me sword fighting lessons. Really? Like, yeah, I wanted to be a knight. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, you know, be a sword fighter. And I really think that if I had been in a culture which, you know, had sword fighting and dueling, I could have gone all the way. I was I was pretty good. I was I was a good sword fighter, and if I had taken it seriously, I think I could could have been really good. Like fencing or sword fighting, sword Both. fighting. I don't think I, I don't know if I could have been great at fencing, just because I don't have I'm not tall. <laughs> all the best fencers. I feel like have, you're a saber guy. I, no foil. You're foil. A foil guy. Well, foil is what I trained in, but what I did for the sword fighting classes, I had historical sword. I learned long sword. Uh, short sword, uh, katana, gladius, uh, spear, uh, sword and shield, sword and board, and like a bunch of other ones. I did like eight years of sword fighting classes. Uh, so sword and board cool. is when you fight with uh, a bladed weapon and like a small meal, right? <laughs> oh, it's a skateboard? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah, you're skateboarding around. You've got a small sword and you, you skateboard by, and you, the trick is you hold your sword steady and flat. And if you get you time it just right, you can really just open up someone's guts. Nice. Um, but yeah, I absolutely think I would have, you know, that time in my life, I li- I'm living in Rome, um, my personality, that I, as I am, I really think I would have gone for being a sword fighter, and I think I would have stayed in Rome and been like, this is my chance to make a name for myself, mm-hmm. you know? This, that's this, this is Maximilian's did. chance to go yeah. down in history. But that's what people did, yeah. is you would, you would go to Rome and say, this, this is my moment. All yeah. I need is one or two good deals, because yeah. everyone's out on the street. It's like an earthquake. Everyone leaves their buildings, <laughs> yeah. you know, and they're on the street waiting for news, waiting for killings. Mm. Yeah, and so pe- people became famous yeah. for a generation. Let's mm-hmm. be honest, I have sword fighter hair. You do. You oh, do. God, yeah. you do. Yeah. Infuriatingly magnificent. I once put on a tricorner hat and it angered my roommate, Fooey, how good I looked in it. <laughs> <laughs> and you have that hair, you have yeah. that power. Yeah. You got a good low pony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A loney. Yeah. Yeah, loney. Uh, that's nothing. <laughs> that's not even, not even a Pope joke. That's nothing. <laughs> uh, how about yourself, Serp? I'd want to believe that I'd stay and mm-hmm. make my name. But you know. join me on a vacation. <laughs> but you know what's great? Living, living, <laughs> heading down to the Amalfi Coast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, seeing Sicily. Sicily's yeah. great when a pope dies because everyone's leaving Sicily. Yeah, 
I mean, I agree with you. Like, practically, I want to live. But also, knowing what I know about myself, I know which choice. I know which choice I'd make. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like I'm seeing a new side of you today, Max. Mm-hmm. I had no idea you had a sword fighting spirit. Oh, absolutely. Or past. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd love to get back into it, but who has the time? It's hard to find places. There are, you know, there are Vikings that meet in the park near where I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, every Saturday, they have, like, sword fighting training. I really want to join them every time I see them. Mm-hmm. But, like, they have, like, bi-yearly membership drives you have to really commit to the viking lifestyle and who's got time i don't know i've walked past them before Mm. and someone else was also watching them and they went up to that guy and were like hey i see you're watching us do you want to join us for a little bit so i think if you just looked interested they would invite you for one day i have watched them sometimes and critiqued their form in my head though don't approach that way don't approach it that way but i I know i know i can beat I don't know how to use distance at all. <laughs> Two things. One, milling around and looking interested is how I ingratiated myself in with the breakfast group of old guys at my Wegmans. Yeah. Mm. Oh, of course. Uh, now I have that. an invite to the table. Oh. It's very exciting. They that talk about exciting. fishing and the weather. That's all I want. I, I love so you're you're mid thirties. Yep. Yeah. I love how old you are inside, mm-hmm. and I love how often I hear you tell like enthusiastic, excited stories about these old men you hang out with. Uh, you, I tell you. you. You've got a sauna old man group, mm-hmm. and now you've got your Wegmans breakfast group. I just need to surround myself with my people. Yeah. And one day I'm going to age into, into my own people, yeah. but right now I'm old people adjacent. Yeah. The other interesting thing that just in thinking about swordsmanship and the Vatican that's kind of interesting is the Vatican now is a micro it's a microstate. The term microstate's kind of thrown around, but it usually refers to like the 30 smallest sovereign states in the yeah. world. Christiania, um that's what I know off the top of my head. <laughs> um, your Liechtenstein, your uh, your Monaco, oh, your Narao, which that's a hell of a story. Narao might be the first country to just cease existing pretty oh, soon. One that's just slowly flooding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, um, sad. essentially it was robbed of its natural resources. It's slowly sinking. There's no money to save it. It's a whole thing. But one thing that's interesting, there's a mic. It's kind of a government without a state, a government without land. It's called the Order of Malta. Oh, the Knights of Malta. The I know Knights about this. I love the Knights of and Malta. And here's the thing is technically they're like almost a state. They're so close to being a country. They have land, but it's all kind of spread out. And there's no kind of hereditary citizenship, but you can kind of become a citizen. And I was just thinking, like, given your hair, your penchant for swordsmanship, your appreciation of history, I feel like you are, Max, one of the few people I know – that would have a, a a a puncher's chance at somehow entering the Order of Malta. Ooh, I might need to look into that. I guess. It, yeah. You know, I always thought to myself, "Oh, I'd never want to be in a club that would have me as a member." But be a knight of Malta. You know, it's a whole. thing. You get one free murder every year. Yeah. <laughs> really? But no. you have to say a coded phrase <laughs> first. It's mm-hmm. really difficult if you have a tiny country because I assume you can only murder people who are also in this cult. You'd assume. Mm-hmm. You'd be wrong. I don't yeah. know how you would have the authority to let it. It's all treaties, Jackie. It's all treaties. Not so much to prevent another world war, but to allow the Knights of Malta, uh, Knights of Malta, of Malta to kill whoever they oh. want, but only one a year. <laughs> That's why the League of Nations failed because it was a non-Malta empire. Yeah, they, they were like, oh, okay, yeah. one thing we're going to prevent a world war, and by the way, no more killing people, Knights uh, of Malta, and everyone's and like, like, no deal, no deal, and then all of a sudden. Poland gets invaded, and we got a whole deal. Woodrow Wilson dies in despair. All mm-hmm. sorts of things. Yeah, it's Real sad. Deal. It's really sad. I also like Liechtenstein. Fun fact: they've been to war. I think they they they're, they've got mercenaries. They go to war sometimes. Mm-hmm. The only time they've ever been to war on their own side, 
they sent 70 dudes out and came back with 71 because they made a friend. <laughs> it, was a, it was an Italian guy that they yeah. met in the mountains. He yeah. uh, he didn't even desert. Yeah. It was more along the lines of like, hey, who's this? And they respond in Italian. Ah, no, we're the Lichtenstein army. He's like, really? Yeah, cool. Can I come over? Yeah. And they came, like he came back. They end, I think he ended up living in Liechtenstein for a while. I think he maintained his Italian citizenship yeah. and in the fog of war, no one kind of missed him. But I yeah, love, so the, their so only much. military engagement, they they were negative one on casualties. <laughs> That's pretty good. I know what I would call that winning a war. That's winning. You know what? <laughs> Forget any other metric you've ever yeah. heard of. If yeah. you show up with more people, you've won the war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why we're going to get more women in the military. <laughs> 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 that's that's the an numbers game. that I think will will get everybody on our side. Then that is a cross party issue and problematic in no way. Not at all. Not remotely. Not remotely problematic. So we're going to take can definitely cheat the numbers that oh, yeah. way. Though if, if winning is number based, mm-hmm. juking the stats. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break, plug some things, and be back afterwards. Hi, welcome to the break. One day our, our listeners will find out that uh, we just pause for a second and then start doing the break. But until then... We could talk about that trip to Monaco that mm-hmm. we took during the break, so we could talk more about microstates. Oh, Monaco was wonderful. Mm-hmm. The streets there, they are like they feel like valleys, you know? Yeah. Gorgeous place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Every the, view of Vista. And the mm-hmm. gambling. Oh, the oh, gambling. It's, oh. It feels classy in a way that gambling just mm-hmm. doesn't. Mm-hmm. Race cars, too. Yeah. Jackie, I gotta say, I didn't know you could handle a race car like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprisingly good at it. We're all learning stuff about each other today, mm-hmm. aren't we? Mm-hmm. And, you know, honestly, I was surprised that you didn't know my sword facts because that's something I used to lead with when I was meeting people. <laughs> a hobby in which you create. That is, you know, mm. that is uh, something I, that everybody needs. Yeah, and yeah. I, I created murder. <laughs> you did. <laughs> uh, it's like, so what do you do? I create murder. And good day to you, and, sir. All <laughs> oh, right. And this is fun. Call so, me when you've got a Pope died. <laughs> so he must be a mystery writer? Right? Mm-hmm. That's what he means. That yeah, must be. Right? Clearly, right? <laughs> yeah. I offered to give someone if you know a second set of eyes on a mystery novel is because I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're so glad you enjoy listening to Anachronismo. If you're listening this far, I hope you've been enjoying it and not just hate listening, glaring at a wall, murder in your eyes, waiting mm-hmm. for a pope to die. Uh, and if you've been enjoying our show... Why not leave us a review on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, where have you? Uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts is probably the most convenient place. That's where most people find their podcast reviews. And in fact, we have a new one this week, which uh, is actually, by the time this airs, from several months ago, well, a month and a half ago, that I would like to just read out really quick and give a quick shout out to the author of. The following review comes from kevbw309 uh, which i believe is kevin weaver uh someone who has reached out to us on the make fun page it's a nice dude title a chance to learn the best history podcast i've ever listened to everything they say has been meticulously researched and proven to be 100 percent true and i've learned so much and yeah thank you so much kevin weaver thank you for that a very sweet and inaccurate review <laughs> but we do really appreciate it we love seeing them it makes us really happy every time wildly misrepresenting are the accuracy of our history uh, wait did he say it was good or bad he said it was good he said a lot of nice things but we said, oh he direct- oh, no yeah. it's not right <laughs> <laughs> it's not right at all he said we're like a well-researched extensively show extensively researched extensively oh, researched boy. yes yeah you know you read the wikipedia article and then you click on all the links from the bottom of the wikipedia article <laughs> or you know uh you read a history book and then you you know look at some of the bibliography and put something together but you don't worry about it too too much or serpico i just assume you just know this because it was beamed into your head you know it's a beautiful shrug i hang out with a lot of old guys in secret societies 
I also want to plug, and this show is out now by the time that this podcast is airing, True Tales of the Illuminati. True Tales of the Illuminati is an audio sitcom podcast uh, about the bunglings of the Illuminati throughout history. Uh, I'm so, so proud of it. It was a blast right, blast to record. Serpico here actually is one of our characters. He's a voice actor for the show, or has voice acted for our show. He plays uh, the chief. So if you want to hear his beautiful dulcet, it's not the right word, but I'm going to use it because yeah. I like it. His dulcet tones in a, uh, a really... Uh, just bringing our lines to life. Yeah, that's that's. I refer to my voice as North Jersey Velvet. A beautiful North Jersey Velvet tone. (laughs) Please check out True Tales of the Illuminati on whatever podcatcher you use. It is incredibly stupid, and I mean that in just the best way. That's my plug, my very selfish plug. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm going to start with a general plug and then go specific. Uh, General plug for short stories. Mm Mm-hmm. I enjoy reading, but I will get caught up in a book and not do other things I need to do. And a short story is a good way to enjoy reading and also do other things. So, check out short stories. <laughs> just, just short stories in general? The concept of short stories? Yeah, that's my general book. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I, I, I get caught up in a book and then I don't want to do anything until I finish it. I get so that, yeah. Uh, you I can get, get it in a mini way. It's nice. Huh. Yeah. yeah. And then a more specific plug for um, a box of short stories that I found in a bigger box on the side of the road. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a series of short stories, uh, or that's not the word. Collection? Collection. Yeah. It's a collection of short stories called One Story, and then they mail you a short story every month. Oh, that's cool. Give or take. And you found this in a box on the side of the road. I did. I found a collection of them from the early... 2010s mm-hmm. on the side of a road uh, about two years ago and i finally got around to reading them and i have read through about three of them and they've all been very enjoyable so on the side of what road can people find these uh these short stories jackie uh, where, where where can people go and find their own box of these i don't know where they can find the box <laughs> <laughs> so you're just so you're not plugging so much as bragging about the <laughs> I'm about... Is the plug for just breaking open crates you find on are, sides are, are of you, roads? Are you well, talking... Yes. Are, are we playing a loot and scoot video game for this, Jackie? <laughs> I will say, as my grandparents would also endorse, if people are throwing stuff out, check it out, see what it is. It might be useful. Mm-hmm. Put some duct tape on it, you can use it again. Mm. Um, but this specifically is from One Story, and you can go to their website, one dash story one is spelled out dot mm-hmm. org mm-hmm. and you can get copies of these short stories delivered to you cool if you're not lucky enough to find a box this one is titled the joy of cooking which i thought was a cookbook it's, fair, it's so small it's like a little booklet i feel like the sense of completion that i imagine reading this would give me mm-hmm. yeah so my plug is a repeat plug True Tales of the Illuminati is delightful. I cannot wait to hear it in its final form because the script is lovely, as has been the writing, production, and directing team. So it's been super fun to do that. The other thing I will plug, since I'm on the Wi-Fi here and can confirm the pronunciation of the name, is the uh, the book Milk by Mark Kurlansky. Oh, I've been meaning to check that one out. Yeah, I worked my way through it. Mark Kurlansky, I always say like Kuhnlansky or Kurnlarsky, but mm. Mark Kurlansky also wrote Salt, which was a very popular 
very popular book of of microhistory of, of, of microhistory of, 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 of certain, salt. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, you know, looking at looking at the grand sweep of human existence through a very very particular lens. My favorite kind of history book. It's so great. So he did that. Uh, so uh, Salt was his first book that he gained a lot mm-hmm. of popularity for. His second book was Cod, mm-hmm. and then this one is Milk. Mm-hmm. And you you just see the world a little differently when it's through a lens as specific and well-researched as that one. Mm -hmm. So true tales of the Illuminati for your fiction, milk for your nonfiction. Listen to one, drink the other. There you go. You get to decide which is which. (laughs) (laughs) Little pyramid cup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's terrible at Flip holding. Flip off the oh, top. It's awful at it. Awful at it. Like it's so sign. stylish. So good. Mm-hmm. Oh, or you put a straw right through the top. <laughs> like a coconut. Right through the eye, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a Capri Sun pack. Oh, I would love that, actually. I am not mad at that. Yeah, that the more great. I think about it, the more I want to drink everything out of a pyramid with, yeah. a, with a Capri Sun I, eye. I, you know, you know, guys with 3D printers, we could make this happen. We could. The library has them. You can mm-hmm. just book them. What? Oh. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What? Oh. Can I have a bonus plug? Absolutely. Supporting your public library? Yeah. Yeah. They're uh, amazing. Like just what what you just said is amazing. Like it's you know, libraries, no matter where you are, no matter if it's if if your town has a big budget for a library or your town has a small budget for a library, the people that work at your library are doing their absolute best to make a library a source of knowledge mm-hmm. and knowledge-based camaraderie. Yeah. And the great thing about supporting your local library is you can do that through – you can donate your time or money and that kind of a thing. You can also literally just use it. Mm-hmm. Libraries get more funding depending on how many people use them and how often they take out books. So if you just have a library and you go and use your library, you're helping them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, I love libraries. It's so great. Surprising yeah. no one. My first kiss was in the library. <laughs> oh, yay. God, my brand is strong this it's episode. So <laughs> uh, yeah. My mom yeah. works in the library. Your mom nice. sounds great. Noel's mom used to work in the library. Is that how you guys know each other? No. Yeah. My boyfriend before Noel's mom worked in the library. That's so a weird got, string. So you've got t- a type is what you're saying. A type, that's all. <laughs> Raised by librarians. You were Max's first and second library kisses, respectively. Yeah. <laughs> um, being that we are Bostonians from the greater Boston area, the Boston Public Library is a magnificent library mm-hmm. with a wonderful tea service, by the way. They have a wonderful tea. And their library network's amazing. Their library ne- any the Minuteman network's any, amazing. Any library yeah. from any library. Mm-hmm. So it, oh, it's so useful. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So just be in your library. Yeah. Just be. Just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's This is what humanity has been striving for, is free, unfettered access to the world's knowledge, and we have it mm-hmm. for free. It's we've democratized it. Mm-hmm. Support it. Anachronismo is brought to you by your local library. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they do have podcasting workshops, they and do. you can book mm-hmm. rooms where you can record podcasts. Yeah. yeah, that's where LJ records hers at the li- at the really? Copley Library. I should. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Speaking of podcasts, we're part of a podcast network, the Make Fun Network, that has uh, plenty of other great podcasts, like the Meow Meow Katie's Podcast, or This Rules, This Sucks, or there's a new one, uh, Top Middle Low, I think is what it's called. Mm. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Give them a try. Check them out. They're on uh, the Facebook, and uh, they've got a Facebook page, which uh, we post to sometimes. Yeah. And that is going to do it for our break. And we're back. Second trip to Monaco in the books. (laughs) We are all so tan. I feel great. Still, Jackie, so good with race cars. Thank Mm. you. You know, I think that 
we're going to face some consequences for breaking into the palace and trying on some clothes that we shouldn't have been in, but oh, I think it was worth it. Those gendarmes were angry. Oh, but who, who can take a gendarme seriously? They're called gendarmes. Mm-hmm. And I know it was just a French word Flat for police. Flat-topped hats. Nonsense. All look good in ruffles. And their yeah. sirens go, wee woo, wee woo. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> Well, that podcast cat is actively tickling my foot, and I'm yeah. not mad at it. I'm not mad about it. This <laughs> I'm not mad at that. Yeah. Oh, she's going for it? Yeah, mm-hmm. she'll go for that foot. Sniffs. So, speaking of going for it, Jackie, and feet, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> F-E-A-T? Uh, the person I'm talking mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. yes, all those things. The person I'm talking about today did have two feet, and also performed an exciting feat. Ooh. We're talking about... Annie Edson Taylor today. She was the first person to intentionally go over Niagara Falls <laughs> and survive. Other people had gone over it and survived before, but not intentionally? I think so. Okay. Um, cause other I... people had gone over it intentionally before and died. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, ooh, that's a lot of clauses. Just, there was a very <clears throat> depressing Wikipedia page called Things That Have Gone Over Niagara Falls, okay. and it's organized oh, wow. by people, objects, animals, <laughs> and I forget what the last category was. Water. Water. <laughs> <laughs> by far the biggest category. <laughs> but also the smallest. But also the smallest category. <laughs> uh, I think it, it's spring water, glacial water, and then just like various like water company water bottles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was confusingly organized because the people section included in one very messy list notable people who had killed themselves there with people who had done feats there Mm -hmm. with people who had gotten into just like terrible accidents and gone down and they were all in the same list with no like separating them out that's really unnerving like that something about maybe it's because we're talking about libraries when i think about libraries i think about organizational systems but what freaks me out is whoever was curating that list Mm -hmm. was like it doesn't matter to me humans are simply a thing yeah you know and so it was pretty disturbing like absent of intent so they're listed absent of intent that freaks me out so listeners if uh if you have free time our challenge to you this week is to go on wikipedia find that page and give it a better organization so that we don't feel bad about it even Mm -hmm. just subcategories is good yeah that sounds great Um, they have the administrative tools on wikipedia Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was hoping to just find a list of other people who had done it as a spectacle. Yeah, and it was disturbing to see so it listed just, in the other way. Yeah, just tick through. Can mm-hmm. you give us a, just a, a quick little slice? Uh, one memorable animal who went over Niagara Falls. So I didn't actually read the animal section, boo. but I have two. I have two within my story. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I won't boo you as much then. Boo. <laughs> there, there's something amazing about, and you know, and I'm, I'm. I'm obviously not an expert in going over the falls, but there's only so much of it you can control. And what freaks me out is, you know, this person that that you're going to talk about looked at the history and was like, there are not many things I can control. And everyone that has done this previously has died. But here I am. I'm the one. So her motivation is a lot more depressing than that. Oh, Oh, no. Go on. Go on. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll start with her, her early like, life. I feel like that's so much of an acronismo is, oh, no, uh, tell me Please. More. Please, no. <laughs> you can't tell me that. I'll get no, sad. that's horrifying, oh, but I, I want all of it. Give me more. <laughs> mm, I'm afraid it's not as satisfying as all of this oh. would lead you to believe. Mm. But she was born on October 24th, 1838. Mm-hmm. 
in Auburn, New York. It's near the Finger Lakes region. Mm -hmm. So I Google Maps. It's about three and a half hours from Niagara Falls. Um, she was born there to a fa She was one of 11 children. Mm -hmm. Her family owned a mill and they were farmers. Mm -hmm. She married at 18, had a very short-lived marriage because he passed away. Um, and then she basically fell on hard times after that and basically moved from place to place all over the country. She lived in South Carolina for a while. She lived in Tennessee. She lived in Texas and ultimately ended up settling in Michigan. And she just had a very hard time holding down a job, getting money, essentially. Mm -hmm. But she did lead a pretty interesting life in trying to make her way everywhere. In Tennessee, she survived like a really bad house fire. In South Carolina, she survived an earthquake. Mm -hmm. On her way to Texas, she was held up in a stagecoach. So oh, we've my got, God. We've got three elements so far. We've got Earth that tried to kill her, Fire tried to kill her, mm -hmm. and Man. Man. <laughs> so you know what? I see. I say why not go for the other two? Yeah, so I got also man, you could say metal because that's probably you know mm -hmm. gun, so metal. You know, the, yeah. we're looking at the you know the five elemental systems. Mm -hmm. So uh, she just needs uh, wood and water now to try to to mm -hmm. escape. And you know what? I believe that Niagara Falls yeah. in a barrel combines okay. both. It of those. does. Mm -hmm. I wonder if she got. I mean, it's obviously a hard kind of a hard scrabble life, but I wonder if all of those kind of near misses. Gave her some odd sense of immortality, this belief that as tough as life is, when she goes, it's going to be on her terms. I don't know. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. a certain mentality when you survive enough things, I think. Yeah. yeah. Or look at the unsinkable Nellie Bly. Mm. Nellie Bly was unsinkable. <laughs> Hence the name. She sank a lot of ships, but not she didn't mm -hmm. die on them. <laughs> Yeah, when she was held up on the stagecoach, the gun was actually to her head, and she said, blow it off. <laughs> Whoa. Badass Whoa. or really sad. She, she said, or both. I think both. I read all of this as very kind of desperate and sad. Yeah. Uh, and oh, she didn't say blow it Sorry, she said blow it away. Uh, and then just the stagecoach robber sort of lowered the gun and like looked at her and was like, are you okay? Well, she said that I'd sooner be without my brains as without my money. So she was like, it's not worth it to be alive if you steal my money. Jeez. Right. Probably, you know, worked hard for that and didn't have a lot of options without it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Mm -hmm. So she ultimately settled in Michigan mm. and wanted to start a dance school. Oh. Uh, for children, to teach children to dance. Um, and that eventually... By firing guns at their feet. <laughs> <laughs> eventually mer merged <clears throat> into sort of an etiquette school. Um, but she found it very hard because as the children aged up, she didn't get new pupils for some reason. Mm -hmm. It just, it didn't quite work out. Probably because so. she kept firing guns at their feet yeah. or got around. Yeah. Yeah. The rich parents don't want to send no. their kids no. to that sort of finishing school or charm mm -hmm. school. Also, she spent a lot of money on floorboards. Mm. <laughs> it's hard to replace. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's just a, the, the asset cost. Have you ever put in a, a sprung floor? It's expensive. It's so and much. it takes so long. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. They're great, though. I have so many accounting jokes God. about impaired assets that mm -hmm. I can just sneak in, but I can't. Mm -hmm. I can't because that's a different kind of podcast. Sorry, buddy. That's all right. Your comedy finance podcast, uh, <laughs> Anacoinismo, uh, will uh, we'll launch next <laughs> week, uh, and it'll have all of those it's jokes. As part of the mm -hmm. not fun podcast network. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So she ends up settling in Bay City, Michigan. And in July 1901, she reads about the Pan-American Exhibition that's coming to Buffalo. And she said it just came to her, but she knew that near Buffalo was Niagara Falls 
And it just came to her that this could be her money-making scheme, that she could get herself and some um, of her companions into a better financial place if she made money off a spectacle of going down the falls in a barrel. Jeez. Talk about straightening out your cash flow. I mean, Mm -hmm. she sounds extremely desperate. Yeah. That this would be the idea that comes to her. Yeah. I, I often wonder, like, within the context of a story like this, you know, how much heroism in history is actually just a result of just raw desperation? You know, these story, these stories of these inspiring pioneers, and it's really just like, well, you know, my land wouldn't grow food, and that's why I did this X, you mm-hmm. know, this amazing thing. Like, that's, you know, this, this person's etched in history. And, like, the journey there was just like, well, this didn't work, and this didn't work, and my husband died, and that didn't work. And I was nearly killed four different times. Like, yikes. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea strikes her, and she designs a barrel. Mm. And she made prototype version out of cardboard and sp- and string. I they're going to say spit. Spit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there might have been some spit in there, too. <laughs> so she makes a prototype version, mm. and she goes to a local brewer and says, can you make me a barrel like this? And, and the brewer says, sure, yes. <laughs> if you'll teach me how to dance. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> See, it was a barter economy back then. Well, you know, <laughs> when you're trying to, trying to get yourself out of a hole, mm. you, you, can, you can sell skills. They, sell that, they say that skill is the wealth of the poor man. Mm. Mm. I like that. Yeah. I wonder, like, what made her think that her barrel design was going to do it? You know? Yeah, she was just like, no, you know what? I've got cardboard. I've got string. I've got gumption. I can figure out this complicated engineering task. I figured out the egg drop in middle school. I can yeah. do this. Yeah. 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 And it actually was a relatively simple design. Yeah. It was, it kind of reminded me of a pint glass, but it got a little bit narrow at the top. So mm-hmm. it was narrow at the top, wide at the... Sides? Not not the side. Like the upper part of it was wider and then it narrowed at the bottom. Okay. Yeah. And at the bottom, there was an anchor to give it like a ballast. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it was like a, a bullet, like a wooden bullet. Yeah, uh, but like narrower. Let me show you yeah. my picture that I drew that the po- people on the podcast oh, yeah. can't yeah, hear. It looks, sure, it looks like like a pint glass, like the kind that you have like a, a beer, not the kind with like a handle, the kind that you have a beer with like a head on, like a lager glass. I think mm-hmm. Sam Adams, yeah. like yeah. Or, yeah, you know, they had like that pint glass with the really narrow bottom yeah. Yeah. that was like laser etched to make bubbles or whatever. Yeah, it looks like that, just a narrow yeah. handleless pint glass, mm-hmm. and it had ten um, ten rings to keep it together. Mm-hmm. It had a couple little holes on the side um where they actually used a bike pump to push in air for her mm-hmm. so she would have an hour's worth of air Man, um, and then they some, corked it some stinky bike air <laughs> have you ever smelled the air from a bike pump it smells bad does it at, at this point just let the water in yeah, you know yeah. let fate it's just full of bike farts <laughs> The inside of the barrel has a leather harness and is lined with mattresses and pillows. How big is this barrel? It's about four and a half feet tall and with a three foot diameter. So it's small. How do you get the mattress in there? I guess mattresses used to be thinner. So, yeah, I think it's more like mattresses as in like a bunch of thin pillows. cushioning. Mm -hmm. Cushioning. I'm pretty sure that. I would descend into madness before my air ran out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no way I could be entombed like that and make it out of there. I get nervous going through doors that are slightly too small. Yeah, there's something weird about it. Well, her whole journey in it was only 20 minutes. I think you could do it. 
Maybe. You have more faith in me than I have in myself. Yeah. I'm picturing Serpico trying this. They put the thing on. Bunk. Pump full air. Bunk. He's already crazy. He goes over the falls. He survives. But he emerges incurably mad the rest of his days. <laughs> <laughs> Just gibbering. Uh, eating and, things he shouldn't eat. And because I would be the first person to have survived it, mm-hmm. science would come to a consensus that if you go over the falls... The end result is lunacy. It's just what happens. They call it the churn. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, it is the guttural moanings of God that you hear under that water. (laughs) You hear the deep song of the waves. (laughs) No man is meant to hear it. Uh. So, this barrel is towed to the middle to the middle above the Horseshoe Fall, which is mm-hmm. the big one on the Canadian side. Mm-hmm. And it's towed to the middle of the river and cut loose, and it kind of just bobs along slowly. And according to Annie, there was just a moment of calm where it didn't move at all, and then it just went over. And it was over very quickly. She just uh, bounced off the rocks a few times and then floated out, and then the team descended very quickly, uncorked her, and she was almost perfectly fine. She had a cut on her head and was a little bruised up and apparently was seasick. And that was it. She was perfectly fine otherwise. Huh. And no sea madness. <laughs> no, no sea no madness. No John Serpico-style sea madness. The stress, the stress of it alone. Yeah. God. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I'm sorry, I skipped the cute animal part. They did a oh. test run with a cat to see if the barrel okay, well, would hold. And? And it was successful. Oh, the cat right. survived. Cat nice. survived, but incurably mad. <laughs> <laughs> the, the rest of its days. The cat heard the voice of Poseidon. The cat thought it was a dog the rest of its days. It decided, enough of this. I'm done. Mm-hmm. This is what they do to cats. I don't want it. But wow. you can actually find um, publicity photos of Annie with the cat. The mm. cat's perched on top of the barrel. Wow. <laughs> Cameras were a thing at this time. So there are pictures of her being like walked off of the rowboat to mm. shore. And... She just looks slightly disheveled. Otherwise, she looks fine. Her shirt's untucked, but that's it. She do- she's not wet. Wow. Like, she doesn't look like she's about to tip over or anything. She's just untucked. Wow. Do you happen to know how, how, like, how big the descent was? It was 160 feet. Fuck. Jeez. Onto rocks. Fuck. Yeah. So, have either of you been uh, skydiving? No. no. So, I went skydiving a number of years ago. Kate won't um, let me. The thing that I'm fond of saying is that the most dangerous part of skydiving, statistically, is getting in a car and driving to the skydiving. Mm. The loss of life in air due to skydiving, like there's only a few instances a year, and it's usually people jumping in storms or doing things they shouldn't do. The physics of kind of releasing and expanding a, a parachute are pretty rock solid. So, like, I've done that. Oddly, like, I sat there, like... You know, watching the safety video and then like up in the plane, like strapped in tandem to the guy that I was jumping with, feeling frankly a whole lot of nothing. Like I just kind of sat there, you know, with some relative amount of calm. Mm-hmm. Like, they wouldn't let me do this if it was dangerous. Yeah, that, that, that <laughs> right? was the thing. That was the logic that kept like ringing a bell in the back of my mind. And I jump out of the plane. It was very cool. We land. It was very exciting. And the the guy I was in tandem with. Was like, how is that? Because, you know, he's jumped a million times, but I'm sure, like, 
part of what he's paid for is to be like, hey, man, good job. We did it. And I had to kind of act excited mm-hmm. because I didn't want him to feel like he had let me down. So he was like, what'd you think, dude? I'm like, that was amazing, bro. We're bonded for life, dude. Like, it, mm-hmm. And it was cool. But like, that's the thing. That's, you know, I think usually skydiving's uh, 6,000 feet, 10,000 feet, something like that. It's not uh, not as high as like commercial aviation, which is like 30 some odd thousand feet. This, they take you up like a mile or two and they drop you. And you're in free fall for a little bit. But it's still thousands of feet of falling. Mm-hmm. I would rather do that a thousand times a day in a lightning storm for the rest of my life than go over Niagara Falls and fall 160 feet one time. <laughs> I I cannot imagine it like i just you also the crushing pressure of water momentum you can't control yeah Yeah. it's that lack of control it's just you're going over in a barrel you designed the only thing you could control you've already controlled Mm -hmm. and if you screwed it up present you will figure that out so you're saying you don't have enough faith in yourself I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. You don't have business insurance. What you need is a motivational speaker. <laughs> that's the only thing stopping me from going over Niagara. You know, you know what they say. You know, Tony Robbins. It's illegal now. Tony so Robbins gets a lot it of flack. It is illegal. It now. is. Yeah. You have to get special special permission if you're going to do it. From who? From the Canadian government. Oh, makes sense. From Poseidon <laughs> himself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and his cat minion. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's illegal now, which presumably means there was a time between when our hero went over and when the illegalness happened that presumably it was a free-for-all. And, like, if you wanted to go over, you could. I think so. Yeah, when was it illegalized? That I don't know. When did they criminalize Niagara Falls? So it's not And how can we decriminalize Niagara Falls? It's not criminal. I don't want, I don't, I don't want, I don't want recreational Niagara Falls. I want medical Niagara Falls. Because <laughs> there are proven health benefits. Citizens of Canada, my platform is very simple. <laughs> As your prime minister, I'm going to decriminalize those falls. <laughs> So one article I read said it was kind of the equivalent of getting a traffic ticket that you then have to go to court for, mm-hmm. and you have to pay a fine, usually around $5,000 or less. You can also be jailed up to six months, depending on yeah. you know what you did. Mm-hmm. If you like destroyed rocks or something along the way, you're probably going to have mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. worse of a penalty. Yeah. Uh, but most people who do it now have permits, and it's a spectacle kind uh-huh. of thing. Mm. Did our protagonist kind of get what she had hoped for? No. Oh. Didn't not, work out for no, her? No, no. She then opened up a booth around Niagara, Niagara Falls where she peddled her autobiography over the falls for 10 cents a copy. She unfortunately had, quote unquote, unscrupulous managers who actually mm. took her barrel away so she couldn't oh use God. it as part of her <laughs> promotional uh, material. That she designed herself and yeah. taught a brewer how to dance and love again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really pretty tragic when fame didn't quite work out the way she had intended um she actually worked as a clairvoyant for a while because she'd heard the voice of the deep yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and peddled electricity and magnets as medical treatment it's still going on today yeah yeah so unfortunately she died in poverty and pretty much obscurity Mm. jackie when we started recording this episode you said it wasn't a downer for an ending that's not what I said. <laughs> That's not what I said at all. All right, all right. Compared to the loss of life in yeah. my segment, That's fair. this is much less of a downer. Uh, and she was actually buried in a cemetery that had a section called Stunter's Rest. All right. Where you know other what? people I feel who like, died in the I feel like everyone buried. who's buried there has a specially designed coffin so they can dab in their <laughs> final repose. She's buried right next to the first man who swam across the English Channel unassisted. Mm-hmm. He tried to swim across the bottom of Niagara Falls and did not make it. 
Man, and now they're buried sense. together. That's if you gotta go after a life of economic uncertainty and 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 wild risk and bravery. At least when you went, you ended up in Stunter's Rest. Mm. That's that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. cool. And you can go on tours of that cemetery. Presumably, it's near the falls. Yep, it's in Oakwood Cemetery, which is very close to the yeah. falls. How many barrel shaped gravestones do you think are in that cemetery? Hers is not barrel-shaped, because okay. I looked at a picture as well, part of this. There are other people who tried in barrels yeah. and failed, and they're in there. They, yes. I guess it would be a macabre reminder rather than a fun mm-hmm. fun memorial. Yeah. yeah. From 1901 to 1995, 15 people have intentionally gone over mm-hmm. the uh, the falls, and only 10 have survived. This is going to sound dark. I'm kind Oh, God. How do I say this in a way that values human life? Just force it out, Serpico. I'm kind of glad it's not 15 for 15. Oh, yeah, that's not that dark. Yeah, but, because, because, because then that, that would just be person after person just saying, yeah. I'm the one, I'm going to be the guy. Like, what? Because it, it, it starts bringing things into kind of Russian roulette territory. Like, you know, people, like people, there, there are people that oh, have died hiking. You know what you're I mean? Glad like, 15 of 15 dead or 15 of 15 he's surviving? Glad, he's glad it's not 15 of 15 survived. survived. He's mm. glad it's not just like, oh, this is a, a cheap thrill. Well, because yeah. Mount, Mount Everest has claimed lives, yeah. but. Hundreds and hundreds of mm-hmm. relatively unqualified people are now climbing Everest every year. It's almost like, well, I ran a 10K and mm-hmm. have half a million dollars, so my next step is Everest. Like, Everest has been demystified. Niagara Nair- Falls has not been. How many things would you do in life if there was only a 67% chance of survival? Like, the fact that people are doing that, knowing that, like... We are not trained climbers, but we could probably survive summiting Everest after, like, a month of training mm. and, like, skilled guides. But with Niagara Falls, it's like there's nothing you could do. You're going to be in a barrel, and hopefully things will work out. But, like, God, that's amazing to me that someone was like, well, person number 15 looked at the previous, like, 14 attempts, and they were like, well. We got to make this feel nice and round. Yeah. <laughs> got it. Let's get it to 15. Let's get 15. And I think that that'll be, you know, a satisfying number. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I can't get and over barrel it. technology's just, come a long way. That, but they still have to use that same barrel maker mm. who's ancient at this point oh, yeah. but still dances every day. <laughs> beautiful footsteps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But people have gone down in very odd things. Um, notably a steel barrel. That's that guy did not fare as well. He survived, but mad the rest of his days. Mad yeah, the sure. rest of his days. <laughs> <laughs> the steel only served to amplify the angry voice of God. Um, <laughs> he ended up having to be in the hospital for six months after his because he was because he was mad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he broke both of his kneecaps in his jaw. Oh, oh, oh nope, Mm-mm. nope. Technically, you pop them. Yeah. The person who went after that one used a design very similar to Annie's design, but he uh, tied himself to the anvil, which was not good for him, and he did not make it. Oh, yeah, God. never tie yourself to an anvil. <laughs> no, you don't wanna... That's just an ironclad rule is don't tie that's, yourself to an anvil. That's like one of the first things you learn about anvils. <laughs> this may be gross. We don't have to include it. Or if you don't like gory things, <laughs> I won't. Well, I think we got to hear it. Okay, so for the anvil one, the only part of the body they could recover was the part that was tied to the anvil. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Mamma mia. Well, let that be a lesson uh, to anyone thinking about tying themselves to an anvil. anvil. This always happens. It never ends well. Yeah. No one has ever tied themselves to an anvil and had a, a happy ending. Yeah. And um, people went down in a large rubber ball. That person survived. Mm-hmm. Hmm. A red rubber ball? You know, I'm not sure what color it was. I, I'm going to assume. Yeah. 
Seems like a good rubber ball color. Yeah. Some people went down in a barrel encased in (laughs) inner tubes. Uh That one seemed like a good idea. Yeah. And? So it can bounce better. And? One monkey. Oh, did they survive, I mean. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, no. They died the worst of all. (laughs) Oh, wait, no. I'm so sorry. He did die no 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 no, 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 no. he survived he survived the guy after him did not survive he made the fall part but then his barrel got stuck behind where the waves crash Mm. and they could no one could reach him so he actually suffocated oh that's the worst way to go oh man see this is where i meant it was going to be a kind of sad it's gonna be a yeah Yeah. buckle up and then in 1984 this guy named carl susick he survived but then he died in a reenactment in the Houston what? Astrodome, <laughs> no. where his barrel hit the side of the tank instead of landing in the tank. Could you oh. imagine? You survive it, and then in the reenactment in the Houston Astrodome. Oh, my it doesn't, God. God. It doesn't it's like a thought to go through your head. Must, 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 must like, well, fuck. Just like a real disappointment in just himself. Like It's God. like crashing your race car during the victory lap after you won the Daytona 500. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There, was a, um, there was a mixed martial arts fight in 2019 where the winner of the fight, uh, who, who has the interesting name Johnny Walker, which uh-huh. is kind of fun, yeah. um, uh, just easily beat his opponent. Beat him so easily that he was so excited about the win, he did the worm and separated his shoulder doing the worm and was out of fighting for months. Oof. So it's like, that'll teach you to dance. Don't celebrate too hard, You're not a brewer. (laughs) So the guy who went down in the steel barrel, he actually died years later when Mm -hmm. he was um, on vacation in New Zealand because he slipped on an orange peel. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, what a way. Yeah, he, he died from an, uh, an infection related to that fall. Jeez, but it's wow. just like you could do these crazy stuff and then you slip on an orange peel and yeah. that's the end. Yeah. Rubber yeah. ball guy got caught up in the tumultuous of the papal interregnum in Rome. <laughs> there was also a man who went down in something called the plungosphere. That. Which sounds. Made up. That sounds made up. In time for the 1961 year, Plungosphere. Yeah. The perfect name for the times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I could hear someone in like a like a stiff mid Atlantic accent talking about the Plungosphere in mm-hmm. 1961. Mm-hmm. Lady Victory <laughs> climbs inside the Plungosphere only to be hurled to her doom <laughs> on this week's episode. Lady Victory versus Poseidon. <laughs> In 1989, the first duo to go down together survived and did it. And then that guy... Kissing the whole way. Did it again with his girlfriend. Kissing the whole... Wait. Like six years later. Yeah, I'll, I'll kiss him. Who did he go down with the first time then? Some other guy. Oh, all right. <laughs> Still kissing. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Their look, names were Peter Denardi and Jeffrey James oh, Petr- I, Pekovic. Yeah, look, mm. if you have a strong enough bond that you're willing to risk your lives simultaneously, first of all, there's a strong friendship. There's a strong bond. Second of all, Without a doubt. near death. You know, a lot of a uh, lot of excitement chemicals in your brain, a lot of you know adrenaline, a lot of cortisol, a lot of things. You know, you know, heightening things. If you're in that barrel with another person, you gotta kiss. You're gonna you're kiss. Gonna yeah. kiss. Yeah. You're gonna kiss. If you're not gonna kiss a person. You're gonna kiss the barrel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, that barrel splintery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna want to kiss the person, not the barrel. Also, just not a giving kisser. No. No. <laughs> yeah, that barrel is keeping both the water and love out. Mm. Barrel has a lot to learn yeah. from the brewer that made it. 
so I'll highlight um, one other one. Mm-hmm. So this guy named Kirk Jones, yeah. he decided he was just going to swim down the falls. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Better All than right. swim up them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just fucking um, Naruto ninja swimming, huh? And he did it. No. no. Come it. on. And then the maid of the mist Bullshit. passed him. Yeah. Right? And they were like, do you want to tow? And he was like, nah, just swim to shore. And he did. As you may expect, he was very drunk. And so were his okay. friends. Yep. All right. No, actually, friends... I wouldn't expect that. Because <laughs> if I had expected that, I would expect he would have died. Yeah. I would expect he would have just fucking died, Jackie. So his friends were supposed to be recording it all on a video camera, and yeah. they were too drunk to have done it correctly. Oh, no. So they didn't even get the video. Oh, no. Oh, my God. This I was mean, in 2003. What a... I don't know who to root for or against in that story. I'm, I'm rooting for the falls. Yeah, I, I want the I, I want the falls Just to claim little, uh, to claim that. Well, I got some good you news. Know, you know, for you know what kept him afloat oh, though. Oh, good. Oh. You know, actually, I know what fucking what why he didn't why he didn't sing because he had the big fucking tanuki balls keeping him buoyant. <laughs> God, two flotation devices. Are are, yeah. are are you saying that fate has had its revenge, Jack? Well, he did it again in 2017. This time in an inflatable ball, and okay. he did not survive. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. I am not necessarily rooting for someone to die, especially <laughs> someone that was alive as recently as like two and a half years ago. But when when you drunkenly like befoul the falls with your your idiocy and then try to do it again, yeah, I think fate comes back for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, yeah, yeah. You can't cheat fate twice. No, no, no. it's but the spirit of daredevilry is still alive, because as most recently as 2012, one of the famous Walendas did a tightrope across the I falls. remember watching that live. Yeah, he had yeah. to he had to petition um, for years to get permission to do it from mm-hmm. Canada and the United States. And his whole thing was that he never used nets or anything like mm-hmm. that. And he had to wear a safety harness for the first time in his life mm-hmm. in order to get permission to do yeah. this tightrope walk. The spirit of adventure lives, and hopefully it's not all out of desperation. Every part of that story was somehow a notch harder for me to enjoy because of the road that led our hero to the falls. Mm -hmm. Sorry, this was a downer ending. No, no, I just resiliency (laughs) of the human spirit, and what would you go over the falls in? That was going to be my hypothetical. Is what what would it need to look like? Yeah, yeah. So first of all. How you design it, sure, but also what would get you like you would be willing to put your life in this thing's hands? What do you want to rise out of the ashes in? Oh, yeah, or yeah, like just to spring out of, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay, so I guess my answer would be like, is safety assured? Because the the thing to spring out of, like, if safety was guaranteed would be like a large gift-wrapped box. Sure. You sure. know, like pop <laughs> a waterlogged gift-wrapped box. Yeah, like I, I'm throwing confetti like Rip Taylor. And if it was like safety's not guaranteed, build your safest box, it would need to be the substance transparent aluminum from Star Trek IV, The mm-hmm. Voyage Home. But impenetrable and see-through. Impenetrable and see-through. But here's the thing. How much does that transmit motion? Because then if you hit something, you're in that box, you might get jammed so hard. Yeah. Well, it would need to be filled with transparent mattresses, which is not in any Star Trek, but... Yeah, they've got the technology. They've got the technology. We've got transparent uh, cloak technology now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, all right. Um, Yeah, it would... Yeah, like, just... It it would need to be clear. I couldn't imagine doing it in the dark. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So whatever it is... I don't even want tiny windows. Yeah. I want this whole... I want to see in all directions. 360 degree. Probably some super 
durable version of. You know, you would see them at um, a state fair, those big inflatable clear plastic balls that yeah. you can get into the middle of. and Yeah, like the kind of, that the other guy died in. Yeah. yeah. But yep. yours is made of but transparent aluminum. But mine is made of transparent yeah. aluminum <laughs> that, in my scenario, is also flexible and does not transmit motion. Well, I, I, I need to see everything. That's yeah. all That's all yeah. I know, yeah, is I need to see everything. Way. I need to see my death And you, of course, you'd be totally nude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just well, so, so, so that your clothes wouldn't obstruct your vision. <laughs> so there was one guy who did not make it. He went down in a kayak and mm-hmm. he refused to wear a safety vest or a helmet because mm-hmm. he was worried it would obscure the camera views of his face if he wore a helmet. Boo. Uh, so, safety so other first. people share your visibility yeah. concerns. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> well, Though, that's, I feel like that's an outside-in visibility, yeah. not an inside-out yeah. visibility. To be fair to that guy, if you're going over the falls and something bad happens, I don't know if like a bike helmet's yeah. going to save yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I would go over in the belly of a whale. <laughs> that poor whale. All right. Well, here's the thing. Whale know water. Whale understand water. Mm. Whale whale know water. Whale know Poseidon. Whale, whale know Poseidon. Poseidon. Whale on first name. Perhaps Christ. personally. If, <laughs> if whale fuck up. Ablative whale. <laughs> Yeah, there, you've got you've got layers of whale that will burn away, saving Cushiony Max blood. here. Exactly. <laughs> As we journey through the atmosphere and they burn away, I will be fine, nestled yeah. deep in the belly. I'll come out smelling faintly of krill. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the, the or and if we both survive, I'm the first man to go over in a whale. Lifelong bond with whale. I've kissed it from the inside yeah, on yeah, the that's huge. on the uvula, and then it <laughs> opens its mouth immediately. It opens its mouth, and I come out, you know, wrapped in my own hair, uh-huh. and like, uh, you know, I reached a couple of pigeons I had with me, also kissed, yep. and you know, I recreate the birth of Aphrodite, yeah. you know, just beautifully, but with a whale instead of a garbage clam. <laughs> God, forget transparent aluminum. Yeah, transparent whale. Transparent whale. <laughs> it's pretty good. I feel like we're almost there on the technology. <laughs> like one or two things to solve, and then we got a transparent whale. Read my lips. <laughs> no opaque whales. My pl- Canadians, my platform, I don't want to call it simple. <laughs> but it's got two parts, and part two is transparent whales. Look, the new papal bull is that <laughs> whales are see-through. Uh, yeah. Jackie? Oh, I'm going for zing. I want to be in a an elaborately decorated sarcophagus, mm-hmm. oh, and then that's I'm also cool. dressed as a mummy. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> and now, is it a sarcophagus? Uh, is it your sarcophagus? Looks just like you, but with, you know, some some styling on it, or oh, is yeah. it someone else's sarcophagus no, no, that you've mine. stolen? Okay. It's mine. So that okay. way, if it doesn't work out, it's Pretty, already ready. Yeah, exactly. You're already entombed. They, they drop you just right into Stunter's rest, <laughs> yeah. as is. Yeah. Or if you survive, you kick open the door. You're holding uh, an ankh and uh, a flail in one hand. Put your arms out, spread them wide, and just pronounce a death prophecy. Suck out someone's soul straight out of their nose. Yeah. Like, even if you don't have that power, I feel like the... You gain just it. The, you gain it. The yeah. vigor of that moment gives yeah. you the power to call down call down uh, a plague upon everyone yeah. on the U.S.-Canada border. It's too bad none of us will be able to enjoy these these victories, though, because we'd all just be incurably mad the rest <laughs> of our days. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Well, that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, (laughs) We hope you've enjoyed yourself as much as we have. Support your local library and uh, your local whale. Uh, I'm Max. I'm Jackie. And I have been John. Uh, And this has been Anachronismo.
brought to you by Make Fun Network.